if I know one thing about children, it's often if you tell them not to do something, Miss Meredith, that they are going to do that. Will you all join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was a youth pastor, I spent a lot of my time traveling with students. We had retreats, we had mission trips, we had fellowship activities. Many hours were spent away from my nice, comfy bed. It felt as if most of my summers were actually spent on air mattresses that may or may not have often made it through the night. As a youth pastor, I was faced with a number of different challenges on these kind of trips. For instance, when we took high school students somewhere, we often had to regulate their cell phone usage or their headphone usage. And we had to make sure that they didn't go off in pairs unsupervised. And when we took our middle school students on trips, there was a whole other host of issues. The wandering away from the group still happened. Usually it was done solo, though, and they kind of got lost. But the biggest challenge I remember facing was that the middle school students just completely forgot how to behave away from their families. We would go out to eat at a restaurant, and there would be sugar packets and salt shakers spilt all over the tables. Kids would mix up all the soda flavors at the machine into one cup. And inevitably, by the first night at whatever church we were staying at, suitcases would always be thrown open with clothes and toiletries strewn everywhere. I don't even want to get into the state of most of the bathrooms by the end of the week at those churches. I quickly learned that it was vital for me to lay down one specific ground rule with our students, especially with those middle school friends. Our rule was this, be good stewards of the space. Our very first day, we would gather together and I would remind students that we were all expected to be good stewards of the space that we were living in. That meant cleaning up after ourselves. It meant treating the rooms we were in with respect and with care. We had been entrusted to stay at these churches, and it was up to us to be trustworthy and to be good stewards. We were representing our church and our families. Now, this rule did not magically fix all of the messiness and regular carelessness that we'd grown accustomed to on these trips, but it did recenter what it meant to inhabit places that weren't our own and to see how our actions affected others. This is the fourth week of our sermon series in Lent, and it is centered around the Ten Commandments. We've taken a look at the first six commands and considered how each of them are still super relevant to us and how we practice our faith out into the world. During this Lenten season, I have spent a lot of time considering what it means for us to be good stewards 
especially as we have gotten into these last six commandments that have more to do with, as Haley shared last week, how we treat one another. During Lent, it is important for us to use these commandments in our everyday life as we prepare our hearts for Easter. Today, we will look at the seventh and eighth commandments, and they are found in Exodus 20. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15. Hear these words, do not commit adultery, do not steal. The end. These last few commandments that we've looked at have been super short and very to the point. They don't seem to leave much room for us to dig deeper or much context really to explore. And yet, we humans have been studying and following these commandments since Moses was first given them. So even though these final commandments may be short, there is plenty for us to explore and learn. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. We'll start with adultery. Adultery in Moses' day looked a little different than what we would consider adultery today. Back then, women were considered to be possessions. When adultery was mentioned in scripture, it always meant when a man was with a married woman. If the man was married with an unmarried woman, then that was totally cool. It was only if the woman belonged to another man where the problem lay. Clearly, we do not play by those patriarchal rules anymore, but it is important to understand that this law was closely tied to the next one, the do not steal. Don't take possessions that don't belong to you. Even though we no longer see humans as possessions, and rightly so, we understand this idea that we should not hurt the person that we are in a commitment with. We believe there is something serious, there's something important about a commitment to a partner. It's not about ownership, it's about mutual responsibility and care for one another. We see the merit and meaning and the sacredness and holiness of the marriage covenant. When we talk about adultery, we mean those moments where we did not honor a marriage covenant in word or in deed. And if we follow this seventh commandment, we commit to be good stewards of the relationships in our life. That means being trustworthy and working to practice a love that builds up and doesn't tear down. Remember, we consider all of these commandments to not be rules to punish us or to make it impossible to live, but commands that instead bring us into a closer relationship with God and with one another. Let's consider the eighth commandment. Do not steal. This is one of those commands that we've all broken in some form or fashion in our life. Maybe it was as a child. Maybe it wasn't a really big, obvious deal. For others of us, this may be a real problem in our lives. And stealing can look a lot of different ways. There's literal stealing of someone else's possessions, whether it's an individual or a store or a restaurant. There's also stealing that's a little more subtle. Maybe an item was left off of our check at dinner 
and we didn't correct anyone. Or maybe we shared our Netflix password with someone outside of our household. These little moments where it seems as if ugh, nobody was really hurt, we already pay them enough money, but stealing was still technically done. I've even read that some people have taken this command and applied it to time. When we run late to an appointment or to a meeting or when we kind of drag things out longer than we should, in those moments, we could be accused of stealing another person's time. I thought that was an interesting insight, especially if some of us may really struggle to identify a time we've stolen something. Whatever your definition of stealing, we've all done something that could be classified by someone else as stealing at some point in our life. So what does it mean to be good stewards of the situations we find ourselves in? If we choose to steal in whatever fashion, we're not caring for others. We're not respecting others' belongings or considering their own well-being. So what do we do in these moments where we fail at these two commands? Change them. And don't worry, y'all. Jesus has, Jesus has the answer for us, too. Let's see what Jesus has to say. We're going to look at Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Hear these words from Matthew. Nope, that's the wrong passage. That would be super embarrassing for me to read that out loud to you. Here we go. I'm going to read it from the screen. You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body go to hell. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Okay, this may not be quite that answer that we were looking for of what to do when we break commandments. At first glance, this scripture is pretty harsh and it is quite violent. But it's widely agreed that Jesus is speaking in hyperboles here. He exaggerates to make a point. And let's be real, the point is made. Jesus paints a really vivid picture. But what if Jesus was using this hyperbolic language to demonstrate that it's not just the defined understanding of adultery that is this big no-no? It's also all these other things that we do in relationships that hurt others. And when we do them, we have to take responsibility. We have to work to create healing. Maybe we don't have to tear out our eye or chop off our hand, but sometimes owning up to our mistakes is as painful and awkward as doing those things that cause our body harm. It takes courage and wisdom to own up and to work to make things right. What does it mean for us to recognize moments where we've not 
honored our relationships or where we've stolen from another human being? How do we work toward healing in those moments? In Reverend Hamilton's book about the Ten Commandments, we've referenced this throughout the series, he writes this bit about the Eighth Commandment specifically, but I think the quote can be widened to include both, if not all, of the commandments. He writes, following these commandments means having a habit of seeking to care for and bless those around us. All humans have a need, have a want, have a desire for trust and compassion. When we betray those who we are in relationship with, when we steal from one another, we are not living into this, a habit of seeking to care for and bless those around us. I feel like this was the crux of Jesus' ministry. So often he cared for others and he worked to bring about blessings in the world. We too can do this. We all have the power to do so. We have these moments where we are faced with the choice of whether to betray someone else or not. It's a choice we make all of the time and we'll continue to have to make. Will we choose to care for others and bring about blessings in the world like Jesus did? Or will we turn away? Each week, we have laid out a challenge for us to kind of take on during the school week, the work week, whatever you want to call it. And our challenge this week is to be good stewards of what we have. That could mean in our relationships. It could mean the power we have to choose whether or not we steal or take from one another. Be good stewards. That's our challenge. As humans, we each have a need for trust and compassion. We want our relationships to be honorable, to be full of trust, and we want to be cared for. And because of these desires, we must reciprocate those wants to the people around us. We're called to be good stewards, to care for others, to bless others. And today's commandments open our eyes to the ways we can all do better at treating one another. My middle school students didn't suddenly become angels when we were out in public just because we laid down this one ground rule. But I did notice a few moments on trips where I would see a student second guess the decision they were about to make. Or I'd see a student encourage everyone to tidy up their living space or to help wipe down the tables after a meal. When we are aware of the people and things and the power that have been entrusted to us, we are truly able to follow these commands and to share God's love with the world. Let's not tear out our eyes or cut off our hands when we make mistakes. Instead, let's own up to where we failed and let's work together to be a little bit more like Jesus as we care and bless the world. Amen.